Happy New Year, Ricky. It's so nice Happy to be here. Happy New Year. We're about we're about ten days late uh, <laughs> on that, but Happy New Year, we're Chris. Still in 20... single digits, though. I think that that means it's okay. Happy New Year to our tens to twenty of listeners. And it wouldn't be a thirty years later New Year if we weren't talking about a movie from thirty years ago. <laughs> well, Ricky, when you're right, you're right. We've entered 1992, a fantastic year with all sorts of super classic movies coming up throughout the year. Uh, I don't know if we'll be covering any of them, but movies like Aladdin or No. Uh, <laughs> can you name some other famous movies from this year? The Player. We'll talk uh, about The Player. Deep Cover is in this year. We'll probably talk about Deep Cover. Uh, Ladybugs, Batman Returns, The Last of the Mohicans, The Crying Game. We're definitely going to do that. We're definitely going to do Three Ninjas, Candyman, Encino Man. We'll do Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Bodyguard. One False Move. Death Becomes Her, Patriot Games, Reservoir Dogs, Newsies, Single White Female, Lawnmower Man, Under Siege, Singles. What a fucking blockbuster year 1992 is. The Mighty Ducks, Basic Instinct. Oh, we're going to get to do Basic Instinct? Apparently so, yeah. Oh, this has become an advertisement for this year's <laughs> uh, season of 30 Years Later. There's a lot of great movies. So if you're, new movies. To the, if you're new to the cast, stick around because uh, we will be two grown men in our 30s <laughs> discussing uh, 1992's Basic Instinct, which I'm not sure if it's possible to remove myself from uh, 13 year old me seeing it for the first time and talk to talk about it now objectively, but that's, that's a good movie. And you listed a number of good and bad movies, but it is January. Let's take the audience back here. It's January, 1992. Okay. There's I'm some- feeling it. It's cold outside. Ricky Christmas just in- finished. Yeah. There's something in the air, you know, something's happening. Presidential election later this year. Oh, who's yeah. Who's going to be? What it is, I'm not exactly sure. There's a man with a gun over there. Oh, my God. I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but we got to stop. You know? Mm-hmm. What's, what, what's the sign? Yeah, what's, what's that, that what, sound? Me, yeah, what's that, what that sound? Yeah, yeah, tell me, everybody, what's going down. What's going down is Christian Slater's cuffs. The Patrol Special is a private security force. An elite group of seasoned crime fighters. All right, all right! Everyone a professional. Except this one. Howdy. I never really saw myself as a cop. I'm more like the bad guys. Why are we doing so much running? Aren't we all going to be in cars? I'm looking for a really big gun that holds a lot of bullets. Move it! The first time you screw up, you're out of business. He's a kid. I am not a kid. Calm down. Kid, kid, kid. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? Never shot a gun before in my life. Maybe this isn't so hard after all. Wait, 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 wait a minute, everybody. But we all decided we don't want you as our boss. We just have to take charge. Yeah, yeah, come in, 10 4. Just checking in, boss. Surprise the bad guys. Oh, we're gonna die, Sam! Oh, I scared you, didn't I? And send your girl flowers. And uh, what would you like the card to say? Dear Maya, it was great seeing you the other night. Love and kisses on all your pink parts. You're on to arrest. Lay down on the ground or something. He's not a patrol special. He's a screw-up. 
got women to do, places to see. Nineteen ninety-two, starring Christian Slater, directed by Bruce Evans, written by Bruce Evans and Reynold Gideon. I don't know who those men are. Uh, it also stars Tony Goldwyn, Mila Jovovich, and Bruce Boxleitner, who you were very excited about. Loved it. Loved it. Um, I'll Do you want to explain why? Well, I'll tell you, Bruce A. Evans. His big credit is that he wrote the screenplay for Stand by Me. That's right. Yeah. So this is kind of his only second project after Stand by Me. He goes on to do Cutthroat Island and Jungle to Jungle and then kind of give up after that. Um, <laughs> this is the, his first movie he got to direct. Obviously, this is like probably a big deal for him, you know? He had this hot screenplay. He did another movie that was like, okay. And then he gets to direct this movie. And I, I, w- I don't know that it went super well. I mean, it did double its budget, right? So, Right. I mean, right away, I think the first thing that I want to talk about is just the last line of the movie, uh, just to describe what kind of movie this is, and then we'll go over the plot. Yeah, we'll and do I didn't mean to else. leave you hanging on Bruce Boxleitner. Of course I want to talk about Bruce Boxleitner also. Um, you, should I do it now? Then, do you want me to do it now? Yeah, you've mentioned it twice and not followed up, yeah, so, so Bruce, please. So he was the captain, he was it's the It's not star. interesting enough to, to cliffhang anybody. <laughs> I just no didn't want to... Shit. <laughs> See, I was assuming that nobody gave a shit, so I wasn't going to come back to it. But, you know, he was the captain on this thing, Babylon 5, that started in a couple years after this. Um, this big sort of like syndicated Star Trek-ish kind of thing that was like a big, big deal for many, many years. I follow the guy on Twitter. The guy who um, created the show used to write like uh, Thundercats episodes, and he came up with this show, Babylon 5. Um of course, and also this Bruce, is like, this Bruce is Boxleitner came up with the show Babylon Five, or he was just an actor on it. He was an actor. He was played the captain. So what? What? Who are we talking about here? Who's this other person we're talking I'm about? Just talking about the guy that created Babylon Five. Why? J. Michael Straczynski. He doesn't have anything to do with cuffs. Well, can I tell you? We're we in a bit of a fallow this period. Do, this is why we can't get into the Star Trek shit with you because you you just you 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 unfurl like too much. Too much. I'm yeah. Seeing too much. I do apologize. Um, but can I say about Box Lightner, like a delightful presence in Babylon Five. Also, this is a couple of years after Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Which or, did you ever watch this show? Uh, but I think it's five twenty four in time. Cut. <laughs> you fucking douche! You fucking douche! Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I have very strong memories of wa- my mother bringing a pop in eighty seven and. Uh, scarecrow and mrs king being on the tv the the pasta salad was in one of those giant wood bowls do you know what i mean and they had the big wooden tongs for it don't look at me like you didn't grow up in the 80s you piece of shit because you definitely did i did and there was a bowl with tongs uh and there was something on the tv uh probably something as well that had nothing to do with the movie that we're supposed to be uh, talking, talking about, about right box now. lightner ricky this big star you're, he's you're like the drew barrymore of this movie 
You're barely talking about Bruce Boxleitner. He was the star of Scarecrow and Mrs. King, a network sitcom that was it was like about a regular housewife and a spy. And they were <laughs> they had a kind of like flirtation, you know, kind of thing going on. And he was and the spy he, and he was very cute in that. And show. you said he's the Drew Barrymore of this movie because he dies in the first he act. He dies in the first act. Um, yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute when we're describing the plot. But to give the audience a sense of exactly the the stakes that this movie uh has in terms of a product uh and sort of what it says about how easy it was to make money off of like a certain budget movie in the 90s um the movie's last line is see you later (laughs) and i and i'm being and, and i'm not really underplaying how it's delivered either Christian Slater basically says this this is how the this is how the plot of the movie wraps up and he looks at the camera cuz he talks to the camera numerous times throughout the movie for no fucking reason and he says see you later that's it that's it it was such a foregone conclusion in 1991 that a 10 million dollar movie would at the very least double its budget in the box office that you could wrap it up with just yeah see you later all right bye see ya. bye I think this is one of the many things about this movie that kind of goes back to um, it, it. This movie is like, what if Ferris Bueller was a cop? Like, that's what this yes. movie is. It's Ferris Bueller saying, say, like, what are you still doing here? Get out. Like, that's what they're going for. You know, I just I just want to add to the, the sense, though, that in 1991, you could throw a piece of shit like this together and just know that you're going to make the money back. You can be like, hey, here's, here's $10 million. You got Christian Slater. Great. Go ahead. Get out of here. Whereas, fuck around. It's fine, you know. There are currently some some of the greatest movies this year, and maybe even of the past decade, in the theaters right now that are stunningly made by some of the greatest filmmakers of all time, and they are barely eking by. Like they cannot make a dollar to save a life, and. Spider-Man is making as much like all of the money in the in, in the world. Yeah, it's a really sad time, Ricky. I do agree. It was pretty just a, fucked up. It's just Spider-Man. There's some there's something about Christian Slater at the end of this movie being like, "See ya." Yeah. That it's just like, "Oh, what a different time and mo-. like no one had to care." <laughs> but see, I feel like by the time we got to see ya, I was I knew how little the movie cared about the movie. Like there's yes. You know, these like reused music cues it's it's sort of like characters have themes but they're used so much that it starts to just seem very very cheap and lazy there's sequences where somebody's supposed to have like consumed an overdose of heroin essentially and falls asleep but instead they are going making goo goo eyes and like there's like boing sound effects going on i think i'm gonna have to put next to each other in the podcast the Beverly Hills cop sting um, and the sting in this movie. Cause they're literally, it's, it's like vanilla ice describing how um, uh, his song didn't rip off queen. You know, when he's like, their song goes ding, 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 da, da, ding, ding. Mine goes ding, 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 da, da, ding, ding. The cuffs soundtrack is consistently going bump, 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 b
going they really pad out the last 20 minutes just oh, adding yeah. that over and over and over and over again um so christian slater breaks the fourth wall the entire movie he probably says more lines to the camera than he says to anybody else uh in the movie and we open with his girlfriend played by uh mila jovovich mila jovovich um, jovovich jovovich i always thought it was jovovich I think it's jovovich whatever uh do you know how old she was when they filmed this movie? I mean, she must have literally been like 18 years old or something, right? 15. No fucking way. I knew she was a model starting when she was like 15. But that's like... She's making, kind out, of... making out with Kristen Slater for the entire first five minutes of this movie. In her underwear and yeah. like a midriff. And she's 15 and he's like 22. Yeah, that would not be allowed to happen today. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then, and then she tells him that she's pregnant after they've been dancing around the apartment in what I think is supposed to be sexy, is supposed to be charming. But like so much of this movie, everything that's supposed to be charming just feels very flat and and disinterested. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like nobody wanted to try it. Like maybe. Hey, what if we tried this kind of shot or lit it in a more interesting? It's like, no, 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 just get him over there, let him dance. Come on, this is a January release. Let's get out of here, guys. Uh, but Christian Slater finds out that she's pregnant. He turns to the camera, basically introduces himself, even though we've already heard her say his name. She says, George, I'm pregnant. And he goes, huh. And then he turns to the camera and goes, Hi, I'm George. <laughs> <laughs> she says to me, I'm pregnant. What I'm hearing is, you're locked up. That's exactly what happens. He's like, he's like, so she's pregnant. And then he says, uh, I got women to do places to be. I can't deal with a pregnancy. And then he apparently dumps her. So our first introduction to him is not that he's just like some irresponsible cat. He's a fucking asshole. (laughs) A woman, his girlfriend who his beautiful girlfriend that he apparently loves. It tells him that she's pregnant and he's like, Oh, see ya toots. And then runs he bails. He literally bails. So his plan is to be a deadbeat dad. To be a deadbeat dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good on him, dude. It's very brave. And it's very self-actualized. Like to just have that level of self-knowledge, you know? And then we cut to title card and then a credit scroll kind of thing that explains the world of this movie, which why not just make him a cop? Why no, not just make understand. him a fucking cop? I don't understand. And and the scrawl is, you have to say, like written on the side of a building. <laughs> it seems to like actually be written on the side of a building. Um, and it's explaining this insane system of hereditary protectorships of San Francisco neighborhoods by private police forces, which I had never heard of in my entire life. And like, yes, like you're saying, like, why put that kind of burden on your viewer that they have to like understand and believe that this is real where you can inherit from your dead brother the protectorship of a whole neighborhood of San Francisco and nobody can do anything about it. The chief of police is like, what can I do? He inherited it. I want to read, I'm going to, I'm going to read the scroll. So you, so right now the title of the card is just played. There's, you know, uh, rock music playing. And I put rock music in quotes because I don't think any, there's any real bands in this movie. It's all feels like very much like stock rock and roll in 1992. Um, in 1851, this is the, the credit scroll. <laughs> it's like, it's like in guitar 1851. solos. 
So a guy has just been dancing around an apartment in his underwear with his with his babe girlfriend. She's like, I'm pregnant. He's like, that's bullshit. I'm bailing on this. And then it's like, cuffs. And it's like, in 1851, San Francisco could not afford enough policemen to protect its population. So the city was divided into districts, which were sold to private citizens. Merchants who wanted to paid these men for police protection. Today, the men and women who own these districts are called patrol specials. What the fuck? Like, what is this movie? The fuck? I've Who? never heard of that in my whole fucking life. San Francisco, a regular city in America in the modern day. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But whether it has it or not, who is this? Like, this isn't a deep dive into patrol specials. Like, why? Like, why do it this way? The brother. Here's a here's a movie, right? Because this is what happens in this. His brother's a patrol special. His brother gets killed. We'll get into the specifics of who he gets killed by in a minute and the opening robbery because it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's so weird. Uh, and then Christian Slater decides to become a... Patr- this is the definition of putting a hat on a hat, right? Because like <laughs> he has to become a patrol special so that he can take over his brother's job and find the killer. But in order to do that, he also has to go to the police academy. Just go be a cop. Here's the movie. My brother's a cop. My whole family's been cops. I don't want to be a cop. My brother's trying to get me to become one because I'm kind of like an irresponsible fuck up that's not doing anything. Fuck, my brother gets killed. I want to avenge his death, so I become a cop. Become a cop, right? Hello, yeah. you have a you now like you have a movie. This is confu- so confusing that it needs this paragraph long title. Like no, because what you really when you see a cop movie like this, what you want to see is like the cop with his clients and like trying to talk about like <laughs> getting enough money in to keep being a cop, and like he's got employees that are mad at him and his clients, you know, and like that's what you that's what you were tuning in for when you tune into a cop movie. Like so, then make him a sergeant. Make the data oh, like sense, it doesn't make any sense. You're like, there's all of these scenes where he's dealing with his district, and the district is almost like only so that it can have a very like, uh, like Capra esque small town San Francisco feel, which makes no sense because it is, says it's San Francisco, and then all of a sudden there's like five merchants being like, my business is is not doing well because of these hoodlums roused about him. And they're and they're trying to figure out what to do. And they say um, it, it'll say on the it'll they'll say like, hey, there's a robbery going on. And then it cuts to the inside of the store, and they're just like smashing everything in the store with a baseball bat. You know, that's that's the opening robbery of the movie that Christian Slater's yeah. brother is on his way to to stop. It does not seem like a robbery. It seems like a group of weirdos smashing this hardware store, like you're, you're like breaking no- toilets and stuff like that. You know, at no point does he say, uh, does anyone say, hey, give me every give me give me everything in the register and, and what's in the safe. They're just in there destroying stuff. And then after they've de- and so essentially what we're uh, tra- what we're supposed to figure out here is that this guy is there collecting a payment. Right. It's old school style gangsterism where they're going around to different uh, stores and they're saying, you know, like, hey, either give us money or we're going to fuck up your store. It's that scene in The Sopranos where the guy's go to the Starbucks and the Starbucks is like, do you want to talk to my manager? <laughs> like, and the manager's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Have you talked to corporate? And the gangsters are baffled. It's, it's like that. So they're in this paint store and they destroy the whole store. The guy seems to pay them with no, with no fight whatsoever. And then after he pays them and they've destroyed everything in the store, they turn to him and say, we'll be back next week for what? 
You just destroyed everything in the store, and he was paying you. You know, that's how it works, dude. That's how fucking protection rackets work. How does this racket work? You destroy everything in the store, you get them to pay you, and then you come back again for more money, you know? And the person's like, I had to use all my money to buy new supplies my so I could sell them. The Can I have an extra... out and, like, uh, you know, it takes forever. And Can I have an extra week? And they're like, no, smash it again. And he's like, okay, but you're not going to get the money. It's very weird. It's very weird. And right away, I just found myself as a viewer because they just say there's a robbery. And then you cut to this the scene of just complete chaos you know this is the the only time this movie is concerned with details is the opening scroll <laughs> it's the only time the the rest of the movie is people being like crime in progress you must go there crime in progress one of the big crimes is they're like somebody's gonna jump off the fifth floor of the building which christian slater blows off for like a full 40 minutes and then they're like oh you gotta go you gotta go take the jumper and then the jumper tries to shoot him but it's apparently unrelated to the other people that want to shoot him it's just yeah he's like you're a cop die and then he shoots and falls off and has the only reason that's there is because Milo jovovich is there happens to be there the girlfriend that he's dumped and she sees him and he's like, it's, it's terrible. It's, 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 it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I would just, so I would like to say Ricky, so you're like, you say the movie starts with Kristen Slater and Mila Jovovich dancing in their underwear for easily five full minutes. So long. And there is like a thing, you know, they say in dating, like when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And this was my moment like this with, with this movie, I felt like fundamentally I was watching like, a sex comedy for teenagers or something. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like the, the way they wanted to open the movie was with this. And like, this is the level that this movie is going to be operating on for the rest of the movie. And it goes right into like, and Christian Slater is, you know, talking to the camera, like wisecracking. And I, I, I felt like you keyed in a lot more on the, like, like the real parts of the movie. Whereas to me, this movie is like a special episode of Saved by the Bell, you know? Like, like to me, that is the plane of this film, you know? But it's extremely violent. That's because that's funny stuff, you know? People getting shot with shotguns. There's a whole weird scene where Christian Slater goes, I've always wanted a gun. And he's like... Okay, uh, okay, hold on. So yes, I agree with you. That's exactly the the level, the the... the the tone that Slater is 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 attempting throughout most of the movie, right? Is this kind of like Saved by the Bell, talk to like the camera. Bugs Bunny time, even. He's kind time, of, done, you know. Time out. Did you think I was going to do it like that? Actually, we're going to do it like this, you know, like that type of shit. Yeah. But when his brother gets killed. <laughs> Which I would like to say, can I just, this is, so the first five minutes are this naked dancing around his brother's bloody corpse is 14 minutes into the movie. So right. they managed to have to bridge all of that very quickly. And the brother, when he gets killed, he's walking with Christian Slater. They're having a conversation about Christian Slater being a fuck up. And then Christian Slater's like, his brother's like, Hey, I'm going to go into church and do a couple Hail Marys or something. Cause he just goes into church while Christian Slater hangs out outside. Like how long is he supposed to be there? Why did he suddenly have to pop into church? But anyway, he pops in there. We cut to an extreme close up of Christ on the cross with Ave Maria playing. We <clears throat> zoom out to find the brother praying, kneeling and praying. And then to find our bad guy who is, the strangest looking bad guy since Bennett in commando and like his, the chainmail vest there and the fashion choices for the bad guy are 
partially inspired and partially confusing, but we, we zoom back and then he walks up to the cop and he says, he walks up to the brother and he says, you should have taken the cash. And then he shoots him three times in the chest. Now, like the save by the bell movie that you're thinking of, right. Could have maybe done some of that stuff, but I think the gun would have come out. We would have cut to the exterior and Christian Slater hearing the gunshots. I don't think we would have needed a right, slow right, motion right, right. peck and paw esque squib exploding death scene in the midst, in the middle of a fucking church, right? Like tonally that just feels slightly off balance with the rest of the movie. Well, I do have to say, so, I mean, I brought this up before, but this like, this is just, this is a PG 13 movie and this is just like five years into PG 13 existing and I think at this time, this is what people thought PG-13 was. It's like a kid's movie with like some extra gory stuff in it. And a lot of them are horror films. But I think a movie like this counts, too, where it's like essentially pitched at like a 13-year-old. But part of that is like, and cool action, <laughs> like which is like a very early 90s idea about what entertainment for teens and tweens is, you know. Right, and we still kind of get those movies with like, or we used to with like Ride Along or something. But I think even that was was rated R. I don't think the PG thirteen, it's not know, teen yeah. comedy. It stopped gets being. It, and the reason it was created was to allow people to like push a, a boundary a little bit. But I don't think that's currently how people look at it. You know. Well, I think actually, I think that boundary was already being pushed. The MPAA right, right, right. was like this is too adult but also not r-rated but there's it was kind of controversial that this was r-rated a lot of people complained because it was so violent and uh, i think i read in the wikipedia that a writer actually accused jack valenti of the mpaa of racism because juice came out at the same time and juice was rated r and this is more violent than 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 juice i mean there are like so many shootouts so many shotguns so many people getting shot like pretty graphically yes in the chest in the leg i mean there's like um one of the bad guys gets shot in a picture of him he's wearing a shirt with a picture of himself in the middle of it and he gets shot in the middle of the forehead of the picture of himself (laughs) when like a single blood stream comes out you know that 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 I, I I like that shirt at least. I mean that guy's fashion choices. We should get to that in a second. But anyway, Christian Slater Christian Slater's brother dies. He then decides to to avenge his death and to take over his district as special patrol officer and also tr- sort of become a cop too. So he has to go and ride alongs with other cops, and he's a special patrol officer running this thing. And like, maybe there's a story there in terms of like, oh, he has to juggle all these different things, but he's just a cop and he's just seeking vengeance from these people. Well, so Ricky, I do agree with you, but I think you're missing something really important is they, the movie tells you what kind of cop he's going to be very early on because he gets his uniform, right? And he's standing there and he goes, uh, neat, right? And it's got a matching baseball cap and he pulls it over his absolutely perfect 1992 Christian Slater hair and stands there for a second and then he pulls it off and throws it out a window and goes, yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, he's a cop, but he's also like, you know, he's playing by his own rules and he's like pretty extreme, I would say. This is very If Looks Could Kill, this movie. So, we did love if looks could kill kind of almost two years ago, maybe at this point. Right. 
Um, what would you would you say? Would you take this over if looks could kill? Like Greco, I would take this over if looks could kill. Yes, I would. Yeah. So I disagree with you there. I would take Greco. No, I think Christian Slater is doing it better. I think Christian Slater can do better than this, and that's why this it it, it kind of bums me out here. Well, um, see, I think that see, I just fundamentally think this is more of a, a piece of children's entertainment, and that's that's why I think it works. You know, I get I get the idea of like this movie is just this dumb thing, but I don't even think it's successful as just that dumb thing. No, I don't think there's, so either. No, I don't. There's think so. too there's too many beats that fall flat, and there's too many storylines that are just confusing it seems to be it's only 90 minutes and it seems to be desperately scrambling to fill those 90 minutes like many of the sequences go on like way too long you know the camera just kind of sits on a medium shot while people are like walking in and out of the room and talking to each other i think i had more notes on this than i had on jfk (laughs) like every scene left me with questions i was the I mean, like, like what, like what? Let's. <laughs> so before, so be, I mean, we're not even to the second act of the movie yet. <laughs> before he decides to, uh, like, take over his dad, his brother's job, um, what happens is that, like, he finds out that the killer is going to get away. But like, when they take him to ID the killer, they take him to the elevator where the killer is standing. Yeah, I didn't understand and then, that at and all. And none of the none of the cops are like, "Hey, maybe this is a bad idea." Like, let's come, let's bring him over here. Like, and he freaks out, and the killer sees him and immediately knows that that's who's going to identify him. They give away his identity to the killer. As a, like, I'm not a cop, but I think, you know bare minimum you would just like take away and it's the scene doesn't even need to be there i mean we've seen the scene a hundred times where the a hundred thousand times where the cops say like we need you to come id the the killer right and what happens they're in a behind one-way glass it's the usual suspects they're all standing in a line or something like that in this movie they walk up to him while he's talking to his lawyer near the elevator in the parking garage of the police building and they're like do you see, you know, Christian Slater just runs up to him and starts yelling at him where you're like, but then they take him somewhere else to ID him. Yeah. I don't fucking understand Ricky. I don't fucking understand what was happening. I don't, I don't know why that happened. Yeah, Like all they need, they could have lost that scene by the elevator and it just needed to be, he IDs him the way that you've described, right? He's like, that's, that's the guy. And then somebody else in the room says, and you saw him pull the trigger. And he says, well, no, I didn't see him, but I saw him come. And like, you didn't see him. We don't have a fucking case. End of end of end of scene. Right? Instead, yeah. there, like everything in this movie, there's this weird circuitous way of getting to this very easy place that the movie is trying to get to. One of the things I really liked about this movie was, um, you know, we were talking about like the Christian Slater theme that he has, uh, and then by the way he talks to the camera. I think that as the movie goes on, it gets more and more like fevered because it's like he something kind of dramatic is going on and he'll like duck into a, a doorway and then it'll just all of a sudden be like, bonka, bonka, bonka. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, things are getting pretty crazy for me out there, huh? <laughs> and it's almost like you could still hear the gunshots happening outside, you know, but he's increasingly escaping to talk to us. No one says it in this movie, but how, like, is this maybe the first tone tonally the first feature film that feels like, so you're probably wondering how this happened. 
It can't be. It can't be. Do you think? Oh my God! What if it was? What it if feels it was? so close to like, I, like when they were dancing in the beginning in the opening credits. I was like, is this the act? I, for some, and immediately I'm coming up with ideas so much more interesting than the fucking movie. And I'm like, and I was like, oh, is this the end of the movie? And he's gonna say like, oh, you're probably because I knew there was. He right, talks right, to the right. camera, and I was like, and is he gonna be? Like, you're probably wondering how I got like a babe this this smoking or right, something well right, right you know let's like you know it wasn't always like that go back but instead she's like i'm pregnant and he's like fuck that <laughs> cool cool there's another scene in the movie where a woman who works for him is supposed to follow a bad guy and she loses the tail and she calls him and she's like i can't find him i lost him i guess I, i'm sorry george i'm just really bad at this like being a cop <laughs> being a cop and he goes and he goes uh it's okay just go do the laundry yeah that's cool ricky that's just cool i mean what can you say about just that? go do the laundry what the fuck and the scene another scene that i have i, I mean I, we basically told the plot then lots of other stuff happens in the movie and we can kind of just i can just go over my notes now the scene where he's cooking a dinner for mila jovovich to come over and he's cooking a whole, cooking a whole turkey, turkey. I mean, this is like what a running fuck? joke in the movie of him ruining turkeys. <laughs> but but no I was one, thinking but... I was thinking during the scene, imagine how psychotic it would be if you went over to someone's house for a date and they had cooked you a whole turkey and yes. two ears of corn. That's what they <laughs> That's something I would do. Oh <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. He's got a pot with like five ears of corn in it for just the two of them. <laughs> you know? Why like I just did not understand the turkey bit. Like, what was the bit? What's the bit? What's the, the running is, joke? It keeps ruining turkeys, Ricky. It gets run over. But it's by not a truck thanks. In the first, it's not Thanksgiving. Beginning. Why does he have turkeys? It's not thank. No one has turkeys he's, unless it's Thanksgiving. He's at the beginning. He's holding a turkey. He's walking in the road, and he's like, "Bet you're wondering why I've got this, huh? Well, it's to like get in good with my boss or whatever." Yeah, and then it gets run over by a truck, and then later on, his other turkey gets shot by a machine gun. And there you have it. Two instances of a running joke. I feel like it should run a little bit. It should be at least three. Like, it can't just be two. Right. Where's the turkey? Whatever. Yeah, you know? right, right. You're, right. You're, a real, you're a real turkey, kid. He does. He uh -huh. goes, like, he goes, hey, I guess I just have bad luck with turkeys. <laughs> the one good scene, I, I thought my the only scene in this movie that I liked is when he gets paired up with Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. driving around and you don't think and they're not going to get along and you know i i kind of expected i didn't expect a friendship i kind of expected it to go where like tony goldwyn becomes his nemesis i think because i'm so used to tony goldwyn yeah, in right. this period. well in, in like, like in ghosts you know yeah and what happens is they fist fight and like suddenly they're interrupted by two cops who are like spill the beans that Tony Goldwyn's character is kind of a fuck up too. And it makes the two of them like each other. There's the one moment of the movie where I was kind of like, Oh, that's nice. Like that's a, that's an interesting beat that actually plays out. And it has like a, a story and a punchline to it. Whereas everything else is just sort of like, you know, instead of doing a scene, like something will happen and he'll just turn to the camera and be like, wow, can you believe that thing happened? A thing happened. Okay. I guess I got to go over here now into the next scene. Pretty like, crazy, huh? Wow, guys. Right. No, Tony Goldwyn is like, he has like a, actually a really good arc because it's revealed that he's on probation because he fucked the chief's wife. 
And then later on in the movie, the chief's wife has moved in with him. <laughs> and she like, gives him amazing. This, she gives him, yeah, it is actually, it is the only arc in the film that actually works. I don't think I have literally ever seen that in another movie where someone is like, oh yeah, I was fucking my boss's wife. And then the next time you see them, the boss's wife is living with them. <laughs> yeah, you'd think he wouldn't care about the car though. Because what does he care? That's his dumb cuck, his dumb wife's ex-husband cuck, you know? Yeah, he's she's already living with him. I don't think destroying the car is going to... I mean, but maybe, you know, this is that period of time where it was like, you know, sure, my wife, but not my car! <laughs> <laughs> and it is a cool red sports car, Ricky, you know? Yeah. Um. So the villain in this movie is a very strangely cast villain. Um, he has strange fashion choices that are that are brought up, eventually yeah. brought up. But there's also just sort of a, a a vibe from him. Did you get that vibe? Were you curious about that vibe? Ricky, I have no idea what you're talking about. What what vibe are you talking about? Would you like to explain it a little further? He. <laughs> you know, he kind of reminds me of this neighbor that I had in the East Village who was like in his 50s and, you know, had a had a long life in the New York bar scene. So he was like some kind of old bar fly, like uh, talking about his ex-wives all the time. And like, is, is, is that like what you mean? Like a character from uh, uh, I don't The Piano think Man? Like that kind of a bar fly? I don't think ex-wives <laughs> were part of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. This character is very like gay coded in a very strange yes. way. He's very gay coded in a very it's never brought up specifically. But it's like he dresses in a certain way and the actor Leon Rippey, who's been in lots of things, you know, a million things, uh, he's playing it in, in that way. He's got this kind of like sort of posture and this way of being annoyed that is just very gay coded, I, I would say. And I mean the movie and the movie takes place in San Francisco, which right. it does make mention of a gay community at another point in the movie where uh a florist mentions that he's married to Christian Slater and Christian Slater uses the uh female pronoun for for the florist and the florist says him. And then Christian Slater looks at gives a Jim from the office look to the camera at him and then goes back into the scene. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's funny stuff dude because you when you talk about somebody being married you expect it's going to be a woman but then it's a <laughs> man <laughs> so the the villain this is the villain and this is the guy who killed his brother and this is everybody he's, that he's he's, like, he's like uh he's not the main he's like the the heavy this is another problem that i have with the movie he is the main villain <laughs> The movie somehow does not know that. Yeah. He is the killer of his brother. And right? he's even like the though, unstoppable evil guy, you know? Yes. Even like, I think of, uh, again, Commando, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. There is Bennett works for a dictator. They've kidnapped Schwarzenegger's daughter for this dictator to, to bring him back into power. But Bennett has a personal reason for doing this. He hates Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Arnold Schwarzenegger hates him, right? So there is this constant, like, dick measuring between the two of them up until the last fight, which is between the two of 
them. Dan Hedaya, who plays the dictator, he just gets killed. He's done, right? The guy, the final fight scene needs to be between this guy, right? And this guy, in this movie, this guy dies in the middle of the fucking movie. Yeah, there's like 40 minutes left in the movie when he dies, yeah. What the fuck? And they chase after the big bad guy who you don't even know who he is or what he's doing. The movie separately has established he's a real estate mogul who's trying to force everybody out and that he's an art thief who's selling art secretly but these two things are totally unrelated but he's doing both of them you know and his death scene like who doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all yeah doesn't impact anything don't you want to see christian slater fight the bad guy the heavy and i mean it's a good scene the fight scene that they have with the heavy you know and he ends up killing him but it's like why isn't that the end of the movie why is there more movie after that he, it's kind. It's a weird scene again. The guy shows up at his house with a fucking submachine gun and is just like blazing the walls and somehow cannot hit Christian Slater. This guy who four, up till now has been an unstoppable murder machine, you know? He can't hit Christian Slater from four feet away. This goes on. I mean, I got to say this goes on for six, seven minutes. Like it goes on forever. And then when Christian Slater finally gets to his gun and... Because he's, Surpri- he's had his shirt off this whole time, which we should not sh- fail to mention because he's no, so wait. tasty. The only I have a really bad note, uh, a really bad joke that I wrote, uh, which was the only thing that enjoyed making this movie were Christian Slater's shirts because they were always off. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too, because um, one of the quotes I found in a Baltimore Sun article about this movie where Christian Slater was like, they wanted me to do a scene in my underwear, but I said, no way. That's gratuitous. <laughs> I was like, compared to everything else in the movie, like, so, so he's so, so this character is shooting the whole place up. Christian Slater's able to escape. He gets his gun. He comes from around the hallway and surprises the bad guy. Stands behind, stands behind him, and now, just backtracking a little bit, this guy has shot his way into the apartment. He shot everything in the apartment, every wall everything he shot the turkey out of the oven that's been cooking right and he's he's trying to kill uh christian slater and the like christian slater grabs his gun comes around the door has a gun point at him and says you're looking for me and shoots him now Yes, he's looking. That's not a good line. He's not. Of course, he's looking for you. He's just shot this apartment for twenty minutes. Who else is he looking for? That's not a good line. Looking for me? Yeah, you looking for me? Yes. He didn't just knock on the door and come in. That's a line that you say to like you know a group of a group of bad guys that have just walked into the house. They're looking around. And then he pops out of his closet or something or out of the couch cushions and is like looking for me. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, like right. yeah, that's that's it. You know, like of course he's looking for you. He shot at you for 10 minutes. Although this is one of the lines too, I'll say it's like Christian Slater is playing Bugs Bunny so much in this movie that like 90% of his lines you could just say doc afterwards, and it like totally works exactly the same. And looking for me, Doc. Bam, 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 bam. And in the same like after he kills this bad guy, his girlfriend and her parents suddenly show up out of nowhere. I didn't know her no, parents they were, were. Well, we didn't know her parents were. She was supposed to come for a date, but then 
gulp her parents showed up and gulp right. his whole apartment had been shot up by a machine gun and there was a right. dead body in the, in the apartment so then so then he's he he doesn't know how to tell them to go away he invites them in they see the dead body they're oddly nonplussed by it at all they're they're kind of like lovely place you have I'm they're like who is he expired who yeah, and then there's like a knock on the door and Christian Slater is like, oh, go into the back room. And then he goes to the door and it's his banker who passes out when he sees the gun. Okay, you have your girlfriend and her parents in your house that's been shot up with a dead body and someone's knocking on the door. Can we have a couple more bad guys to dispense? <laughs> can we have like the, Can we have this scene play out? What's the point of them showing up and putting them in the back room if it's not going to turn into something? It turns into nothing. And then in the next scene, he's like, says hi to his girlfriend and that's it. They go get tattoos it's together. Because, Ricky, this is like what I'm saying. This movie has this other whole plot line going on that this is the resolution of with where there's like the police chief and the banker want to get $50,000 from him and they're going to like put his cop house out of business. And so... In this scene, Christian Slater scares the banker so much that now the banker thinks he's cool and doesn't care that he owes him $50,000. But that has nothing to do with the the girlfriend and parents that you've hid in the back room after you've killed a bunch of, after no, you've killed no, a guy in your apartment's been shot. absolutely up. nothing to do with it, no. And then the following scene where he goes and gets a tattoo with his girlfriend, there's been no consequences for the fact that they saw a dead body in his house. It is weird because his parents seem to take the dead body as like, if his like couch was real messy, <laughs> like they're like, they're like, Oh, what's going on in here? Oh, a dead I body. Like, hmm. <laughs> I felt like it was taken like off camera, which is just me speculating that it was like, it may be a dead body, but at least he has a job now, you know? Like, <laughs> no, I think that is, I think that, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's just so weird to have uh, the like the bones of 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 something hap to, that could happen that's going to be funny and thrilling, and to just throw it away completely, without a pun with no punchline. Well, like no follow. Who cares at all? about the banker? Well, Who cares about the banker? I think the movie thinks the parents showing up that is the punchline, and then it's just trying to move on because it doesn't it doesn't know how to do anything with it. Like the the punchline is like after this giant fight. Oh, and then you know the boss showed up for dinner. You know, and now and it's like it just basically cuts to Christian Slater going like gulp and like you know that's that's the punchline. But you're just like, what happened? What did he, what did he do? What right, did he say yeah, to them? How, how did he get out of this? How did his parent, his girlfriend's parents? And by the way, like this is after he's dumped her and they're getting back together and she's pregnant. And it's like, they're kind of meeting him to see if he can be the father of their grandchild. You know, this is like his audition for this. Um, but they don't really play with it at all. It just kind of happens and is over with. And yeah, it's not explored deeply, I would say. Right, they show up and then he turns to the camera and he's like, my girlfriend and her parents? What am I going to do? What am I going to do here with my girlfriend and her parents? This is, this is crazy. I can't really do a Christian Slater impression. I guess it's just a bad Jack Nicholson, right? I was thinking you were doing sort of more of a De Niro and I was really imagining Robert De Niro like this being the star crazy. of this movie. <laughs> this is crazy. My parents are crazy, I can't but... do I can't. <laughs> Um, do you, yeah, do you want to talk about the questions? Do you want to do the questions now? 
I want to I want to say I want to bring up one more one more thing one okay. more thing and then we can bring up the questions. It's actually it's a two parter. Um, so there's a scene where the bad guys get him and they tie him up in his storefront, <laughs> a storefront. I don't fucking know. And they 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 put they tie him up to some dynamite and a dog. And, oh yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. And this is a great example, though, of like how unnecessary the fourth wall breaking is in this movie, because we we cut to the scene and the camera pans over a, a pile of dynamite or like, you know, a, a, a bunch of dynamite uh, to the wires, to them being strapped to him. And then he's taped and he says to the camera, the dynamite will go off and kill me. <laughs> No shit. No, and he says it multiple times. No shit. You know, uh, if I don't, if I don't defuse this dynamite, it'll kill me. Okay. Yeah. No. What was the, I know? I saw a close up of the dynamite strapped to you with a fucking timer. I know what's happening here. And then Tony Goldwyn shows up with the chief's car because he hears the dog howling inside because Christian Slater is able to get the dog to howl after the dog farts at first. He said, and he says, howl, not fart, howl. And then, but then Tony Goldwyn comes in and he unties Christian Slater and Christian Slater's like, we got to get out of here. The bomb's going to go off. And then it cuts to in total silence, no music, total <laughs> silence, a slow motion shot of Christian Slater, Tony Goldwyn and the dog jumping out of the windows of the storefront. For an ex like a long shot, and there's no explosion behind them. There's no explosion. Next cut, they're ten feet away from the store. From a very running, slightly different angle. <laughs> like, from a very slightly different angle, and there's an explosion. <laughs> like what? Clear, like we, I don't know what the problem is here. First, they had to jump out the window. Then they stood up, dusted themselves off. We didn't need to see that part. And then they ran away. And then the building exploded. I, I think it's actually like a great like microcosm of everything that's wrong with this movie that we were talking about at the beginning with the plot, which is that like you don't need this. You don't need the first thing. You just need the second shot. You don't need the special patrol officer district money eighteen fifty five passed down. You just need cops. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That's what that scene felt like. But it's such a weird cut. It's like, push. Still going, still going, still going. No music, no music. Cut to running. Like, yeah. It's, no, I agree. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Why are they doing it? It's just because they thought it would be cool to do both effects, I guess. Like, they. Well, I thought about it and it was like, if that's how they shot it, though, they're kind of fucked and they sort of have to do both because suddenly you would cut to this medium shot that the dog isn't in frame and they're like 20 feet away from the building. Exploding. And as it explodes, right. And you're like, well, how did yeah. they get out of the building? You know, exactly. So you kind of have to do both shots. So basically you've totally fucked up the sequence by, by, by doing it that way. I'm not exactly sure another way you could have done it. I think you would could have just like not done slow motion and had them like run out the front door and foregone the jumping out the window. It's almost like I want to say maybe it wasn't originally that 
when they shot them jumping out the window, they didn't, it wasn't supposed to be after a bomb sequence, but why else would you jump out of a window like that other than a bomb? Why would you jump? If you can get 15 feet away after leaving the building, why wouldn't you just leave the building? (laughs) Why jump out the window? It's also a great instance of that thing where it's basically like they cut to the clock and it says like two seconds and then you see them jump out you know, and the thing, and then they cut back to the clock and it says like one second, you know, (laughs) and then they're running away and then it explodes, you know? And it's not like they jump from like, even like the fourth story. They jump from a store. They jump out of a storefront window. first story. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not very exciting or thrilling. The camera is on the, the ground like it's we're not even looking at it from below or trying to do anything we're just it's like you were standing across the street from the building and looked over and just saw people jumping out of you know the storefront window on the ground floor you would have been better off shooting the not they don't jump out of a window you're just shooting the timer go down and they're trying to get out the door and they're trying to get far enough away you know, right. And or then maybe, you cut maybe, to them outside. You, you cut to the timer going click, click down to zero. Yeah. And then you cut to them outside running away. Right. Or maybe they run to the door and they can't get out because it's locked from the outside somehow. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. And the timer's going down and then they jump out the window and that becomes part of the sequence. You don't just like immediately cut to them jumping out of a fucking window for seemingly no reason. And then 15 feet away. Well, it is like the the way they're setting up the timer is like even by the time um, his friend gets into Tony Goldwyn gets into the basement, there's like four seconds left, you know, so there is no time for them to like run around and do anything because they've been trying to heighten it too soon that then they just have to like, okay, now they're out. Okay, now they're out. Wait, I actually love two other things about this sequence. Can I say it? I know I also want to move on, but like, yeah, so this sequence has number one they set up this thing where he's going to bring a dog to the, to this place where they think something bad is going on. And he says like, well, apparently if it's illegal, this, he can smell it. Okay, great. (laughs) The thing that the dog smells is stolen paintings. (laughs) So like, does he know the paintings are stolen? (laughs) Like he can tell like he's, he's smelling the stolenness of the paintings. Is that what he's smelling? I have to tell you, you know, at this point, I was cooking dinner, and I, <laughs> I I genuinely had no idea there was a stolen painting plot line. They, they show Christian Slater very early in the movie looking at the newspaper, and it says $50 million in stolen artwork. And then they just introduce these artworks. It's almost like without dialogue. He just looks at them, and you're like, why? 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 Because it's it's got a perfectly easy, simple setup. It's like batteries not included. It's like bad guy wants to develop the neighborhood and he's trying to force everybody out. And that's the bad guy. Done. That's it. It doesn't need a whole other thing where he's also an art thief. Like, why is that involved in this at all? It's just confusing. Isn't this, isn't this a better movie if because he's a real estate mogul and he's, and, and, and he's extremely wealthy that when Christian Slater becomes a cop and finds out that he can't stop him, it's because this guy has like paid people, in the police force or has like an alderman that's under that's that's like you know in his pocket and there and has his thumb on the police force or something and so there's like a corruption thing that he's like you could still do all this humor by also 
and, and by also having this plot because this plot line isn't that wouldn't be that hard to follow this one that they've written is hard to follow you have to be like watching christian slater read headlines in the newspaper to understand what's going on which is like way too much and the other thing about this sequence is um so christian we, we keep saying he's talking to the camera all the time in this sequence he's got a piece of duct tape over his mouth and he's mumbling to the camera and then it has uh subtitles for him so he's doing fourth wall breaking yes. camera addressing monologues with duct tape over his mouth going like hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it says Ugh. on the bottom of the screen what he's saying and it the whole sequence is played like that he's he's first he's talking to the camera then he's talking to the dog and he's talking to bruce uh to, to bruce evans <laughs> like it's what is what what is what does it initially say when he's mumbling to the camera in the subtitles it says if this dynamite goes off i'm gonna die (laughs) exactly Exactly. totally necessary totally necessary well it's for such a it's for such a genius bit ricky you know um do you want to do the questions now let's do them let's do them dude okay so at the end of every uh episode we ask three questions uh, it usually ends up taking up most of the episode, but yeah, we've so already an hour in, so we should yeah. we, we should run through this pretty fast. And to be honest, I don't really have much of a favorite part, and I think I've already said a lot of the other things that I'm going to say because I actually forgot that we do the questions. Um, <laughs> happy Happy 2022! Yeah. I was the one who was saying like, I don't know, I feel like we haven't done the show in a while. I'm a little nervous, and Ricky was like, I don't know, I don't know, I guess. So, Chris, our first question is. What was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, well, Ricky, favorite part, I got to say, it probably was the split screen, heartfelt phone conversation between Mila Jovovich and Christian Slater with a 90s hair metal power ballad playing behind them. And they're in different, um, like Mila Jovovich is in close up and Christian Slater is in kind of a long shot or like, and they're, but they're superimposed really tight together. <laughs> no, no, this is my favorite part too. This is my favorite part too because I think they're actually. I mean, maybe you think not. They're in the same room. There. You think they're really in the same room? Because they because they split diopt it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have the effect of just like a split screen with two different shots. She's actually. They're they're actually doing like a split diopter on the on the two of them. Like, why wouldn't you do that if they're if they're not in the same frame? together um so i thought actually that was my favorite part of the movie yeah as i well, like that too I it, yeah i thought it was great it was the one it was the one moment where i was like oh that was well done it looked good you had like a way to shoot it and uh i mean i think the dialogue probably sucked ass but like it's at like the very fun, least it's doing it something good. fun with it like this teen idea that they have you know and it has some style and like a point of view you know unlike almost all the rest of the movie yeah i want to say um I, I probably now I'll save the I'll save this for, for for one of my things, but yeah, that was my favorite part too. So we can move on. From yeah. That. So the next one is pretty simple. Also, it's like, what's the most '90s part of this movie? Christian Slater, obviously. Slater for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think Jovovich, probably you know like I think probably the fourth wall breaking, um, which was like I know Bueller did it in like '86 or '88, but the '90s, you know, with 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 saved by the bell. And I'm sure there are other examples of like people breaking the fourth wall. Uh, that to me feels very nineties. Although I will say when we did my girl, I was so impressed with that movie that I went looking for other 
movies uh, like about teenage girls or adolescent girls that I could find that were contemporary that sort of held a candle to uh, wait i'm sorry ricky so you started googling movies of teen girls (laughs) after you saw the my girl yeah and then the fbi showed up at my house yeah um no but i was looking on netflix for like other movies about adolescent girls to see if there was anything that was as good as my girl and they all feel like cuffs they all feel like someone talking to the camera like this you know there's they're like or like, like now and again, like is this one of the ones you watched, or like no, mermaids? I was looking, I, or I was looking for contempt, oh, like right ones, now, current ones. Current right, ones. Right, right, right. No, I know there's, a, I know there's a number of sort of like semi, like kind of nuanced dramas from that period of time that like large, large mass audiences would see, but everything now is like you know, um, yeah, it's horrible voiceover. I don't think anyone really breaks the fourth wall anymore. I think that's kind of over. But like voiceover, they're doing like lots of voiceover, and they're doing voiceover that is very similar to what Christian Slater does to the fourth wall. Because everything he he everything he's doing in the movie could be voiceover, and at the same time, it could also not exist at all. <laughs> but it's like he's he was cute, he was popular. They just wanted to have him. You know, it's like he's talking right to you, Ricky. You know, shirtless multiple shirtless, times yeah, talking to the constantly. camera, shirtless. He basically is the scene in my own private Idaho that where that like the in the in the in the porn shop where all the magazines start talking to the camera, yeah, all the shirtless Christian boys. Movie, yeah. That's Christian Slater. He's like movie, dancing yeah. around with his and he's doing this very weird kind of dancing. You really get the feeling that the either nobody could say anything to him or it's like he created an environment that was to his detriment because nobody could tell him no. And he's because he looks stupid as shit the way he's dancing stupid around in shit. this movie. Somebody needed to be able small. to say, like, Christian, you get, this is dumb. We got to do this again. Like, he looked dumb doing this. He also looks very small at times yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not to point out, like, his, you know, how small, but he just looks, I think at one point he's standing next to Mila Jovovich after they get tattoos. And I'm pretty sure he's standing on an, clearly standing on an Apple box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's um, a teenage supermodel, you know, there's no way he's competing with that. 15 in this movie. 15 That's uh, what was your, what was the most nineties thing about this movie for you? All right. This is a little convoluted of an answer, but there's something about the plot structure of this movie as stupid as, as it is. But this like bad brother, good brother, cop, bad brother becomes the cop and fights people in the local neighborhood while also having like a dumb romance. That is the plot of like every Hong Kong action movie from the 90s and also many animes from the 90s. So like that's what I kept thinking of. And sometimes I was consuming this movie like as if it were a weird anime I had never heard of before. And it made me like it a lot more, actually, because I it would be great as like if it was like japanese people in khakis like doing all these things but it reminded me of a lot of movies like hard-boiled like you know that has almost you know a very similar plot or the killer you know like these are this is this plot you know right but those movies also have incredible action are beautifully stylized very well directed yeah right yeah there's like a there's 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 an artistry behind those movies that is like nowhere, nowhere near what we're watching 
here. Like if this was an, an even if this was an anime, there would be like a scene of Christian Slater cooking or like drinking a soda in a way that was like kind of weirdly erotic, you know? There is a scene of him cooking in 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 this movie. Is there? It's fucking, I yeah, he cooks a turkey. Oh, that's, that's right. fucking that's weird. Right. He's cooking the turkey. It's that's weird. Right. Yeah. You're wondering why he's cooking a huge turkey. An anime would at the very least have the sense to like say something or make a joke about it or do something. I mean, the only thing that this is that the oven gets shot and the turkey flies out of it. But there's no like my turkey or anything. Yeah, so that's it. I think it's a weird Asian action movie, actually, at heart, and it doesn't know it. Um, so, Ricky, obviously, it's been 30 years since this movie came out. There's certain things we've grown out of in society in that time. What, what do you think we've grown out of since this movie came out? Ricky's, by the way, yawning, so in case he doesn't edit out that pause. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking not tired edit, uh, as shit, dude, too. I gotta tell me you. too. Yeah. I, I slept probably like three hours last night. Well, he, Ricky just got uh, back from Hawaii. Ricky, you've been to Alaska and Hawaii during the pandemic, which I find very like inspirational. And I only got COVID just this past month in December. Not before I went to Hawaii. I went to Hawaii without COVID. Um, so what have we grown out of? I said it really at the top of the episode, which is that like at the end of the movie, Christian Slater wraps up the movie by basically, he not basically, he literally just looks at the camera and says, see ya. You know, at the very least with Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, Ferris Bueller wraps up the episode like, you know, he gets saved by his sister and then he has one quick line to the camera, but he has an ethos at the end. He says, life moves pretty fast. You don't stop a look around once in a while. You could miss it. Right. That's his final line at the end of the movie. And it resonates because that's what the movie has kind of been about. And then in the closing moments at the end of the credits, he comes out of the shower and he's got the head wrapped up and he looks silly. And he says, you know, what are you still doing here? Go get out of here. Go. The movie's over. Get out of here. Right. That's funny. Christian Slater. It's not even a joke. He just he just looks at the camera and goes, see ya. See ya. That's it. Okay, see so ya. It's like you, you, they cut forward a tiny bit. He's got his baby, and he's just going like, eh, man, 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 look at this. Who'd have, thought, who'd have thunk it? Me with a baby, huh? Well, that's it. See ya. See ya. And so there was just something that felt like I, that this would not exist a, a, anymore. No one would really like allow this bad of a last line to like be in the movie. Somewhere, someone every step of the way would be like, hey, look, we're giving you $5 million here. We're giving you $2 million. We're giving you $800,000. You got to write something better than this. You just, I you mean, know? it's the end of the movie. It's the, literally the last line. You're hard cutting to the credits and you're having him go, see ya, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, he's young. He's hip. That's what young kids say. And you're like, actually, it's really interesting. It's actually really interesting because that was some improv that Christian did on set. And we just thought it like hit so hard, you know, and he's so hot right now. Like who, like what I know better than Christian, you know, like. Is he shirtless again in that scene? I feel like he's, he's like either shirtless or near shirtless. I think he's got like a really undone shirt, maybe something like that. Right. And he's referencing uh, his 15 year old baby mama. in the bathroom um yeah there was just something about that that last line that felt like you would have to do better than this now yeah 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 like you would have to somebody at some point in the process would say like 
we you know we really need to try a little harder on this like i'm yeah. just wondering if this is like really like if this is the note we want to leave on like is there maybe something else we kind of want to leave the audience with you know see ya see ya um for me like i think that's a very good answer i think there's something about the way this movie is like it doesn't really ever get its tone shifts right like certainly there are parts that are obviously supposed to be funny and parts that are obviously supposed to be action sequences but i think there's a lot of stuff in between and there's like a lot of sequences where they sort of leave the goofy music playing over the action sequence in such a way that it's like i don't really know what the fuck is going on or like what they want me to be experiencing it's like they want me to see a gunfight as being silly and wacky and i i feel like if this movie were today it would be there would be silly, wacky parts, and there would be um, exciting action parts. And if there was silly action, it would be very, very obvious. You know, he would be like slipping on banana peels and dropping guns that were shooting people or something. You know, whereas is this movie can't quite decide what's happening at any one moment. Right. There's that sense of, uh, and we've talked about this on the show before, right? Which is that like, there was this period of time where movies didn't know exactly how to be the thing that they would eventually become. Yeah. Yeah. And we're definitely seeing that. I mean, it's like we're saying with like early PG 13 stuff, it's like, it's like a teen comedy, but it's also a serious cop movie. And there's like bloody action sequences, but it's also, they're like funny. Don't worry about it. You know? Well, I think that, maybe maybe i'm i'm going down too much of a rabbit hole here but like the idea that how how much genre has become a commercial in and of itself and that we tend to now praise commercial directors i mean commercial movie makers right, right, right. who are able to sort of do the genre while having like little bits of themselves within it whereas prior to that the genre was created by people who told a really great story. And that suddenly kind of became the genre with the exception of like horror or, or, mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. But now it's like, it, it almost feels like you're selling the beats. And if you can do something in between selling those beats, that feels like a little more personal. Like that's how I always think of JJ Abrams mm-hmm. is that everyone like people like loved him at one point, And I was kind of like, I just seems to me like he knows how to do the thing that the studios want to do, but with just like a little more of a wink or personality. And so therefore everyone thinks he's like an auteur or something. Whereas I might have to cut this out because I think I'm losing it, but (laughs) no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean though. Like the idea that um, this movie doesn't just exist to fill out beats. Like as much as it's a disaster and as much as we're saying, like I hated this movie, I hated watching it. It does have this kind of like, it's completely freewheeling and it's not conforming to any kind of mold. It's just like, we got $10 million. We got this really hot kid, you know, like what do we want to do? You know? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be funny if uh, his partner's going up the escalator and then it's like the Mickey's kicking and then he spins around and we hear like, you know, like boing, boing sounds. Or wouldn't it be funny if like he's having an argument and instead of curse words, we're hearing like cool guitar, electric guitar sounds. Which apparently they did to make fun of the PG-13 rating. Because you can only have like one fuck. So there's like one fuck in the... Right. It ends with him being like, fuck you. Whereas the entire scene, it's been guitar sounded out. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, 
that you're right. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I think that's why I thought I found Last Boy Scout so fascinating, right? Because it's this, it's this that would be so honed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be no tangential elements. There would be no threads that kind of didn't work, but were fun to see, you know. And the same thing kind of goes with with what you're saying about cuffs, where everything feels so not everything, but most stuff especially genre pieces feels so honed, you know, the beats before the thing even starts. And like, maybe there's a couple self-referential jokes in there that make you laugh, but by and large, you know, the beats, you're the, like, those, you're like, this those is the scene jumps. where we learn how downtrodden he is. And this is the scene yeah. where he tries to stand up for himself, but he really can't. And you know, the, the, the 21 jump street guys are a great example of two people who know exactly how to do that but like add a little bit of self-referential twist to those beats that make people still enjoy watching. And just, you know, you can direct your actors well, or just like allow them to have a good time while doing these kind of story beats, you know? Yeah. Which doesn't seem to be happening here. (laughs) No, not at all. But I, 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 I agree with you. I think it's symptomatic of just sort of like how narrow of an investment movies are for 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 yeah, people yeah. now whereas like you know they weren't back then and now it's like this needs to hit all these quadrants that we are pretty sure based off of our spreadsheets will make money yeah right according to like our market research people who are only kind of doing something that's real and they're kind of yes, making it up also. barely doing anything that's real yeah all but right, yeah dude. on that note yeah, let's hit it see ya Thank you.